In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I know that after last night's wonderful Oktoberfest, some of you are likely anticipating that today would be Reformation Sunday. But Reformation falls next Sunday, and what a glorious day it will be. God willing, we'll have special hymns, we'll have a trumpeter, and a glorious proclamation of our Savior Jesus Christ. Today we reflect on a man whose son was ill to the point of dying. The evangelist St. John calls this man an official, which almost certainly indicates that he was one of Herod's officials in his court. John also tells us that our Lord had come again to Cana of Galilee, to the place where he had previously turned water into wine. So we are invited to consider our Lord's miracle as the second sign that he had done in that place. The official's son was ill to the point of death. And when he had heard of Jesus' return, he went to ask him if he could heal his son, to which our Lord responded, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Often we have heard these words of Jesus as a kind of rebuke. Jesus, presumably frustrated that people desire earthly miracles from him and nothing more, rebukes the man, but heals his son anyway. Or, similarly, Jesus, frustrated that people will not simply believe his word, laments their desire for signs and wonders, rebukes the man accordingly, and heals his son anyway. But doesn't such a reading strike you as rather odd? Jesus sees a father begging for the life of his son, and he's irritated? He dismisses the man's love for his dying son as nothing more than a desire to see signs and wonders? It's true, of course, that some of the Jews did not believe Jesus' words and demanded miracles as proof, putting him to the test. But that doesn't seem to be what's going on here. That doesn't seem to be what this father is doing. Would Jesus then have preferred that this father not have come to him at all? Perish the thought. None of this really adds up. So what does our Lord mean when he says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe? It will help us to recall that at the end of John's gospel, John breaks the fourth wall, as it were, and gives us the reason and purpose for his entire gospel. He turns to the reader, or hearer, and says, These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. These things are written. What things? If we go back just one verse prior, we'll see that John explicitly refers to signs. These signs were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. 
And doesn't that sound very much like the words our Lord says to the Father pleading for his Son? Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. It's as if our Lord is saying, therefore, I will do this sign and wonder for you so that you may believe. You, plural, not just the Father, but those gathered around. Not just those gathered around, but this sign is written so that all of you, or to put it in text, and all y'all, may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Do the miracles that Jesus performs prove that his word is true and prove that he is who he says he is? Well, of course. How easy it would have been to refute Jesus, to refute the scriptures, if his miracles had been fraudulent. But of course, there's even more to Jesus' miracles than mere proof. And that's why John calls them signs. In John's gospel, a sign is an event or an occurrence that is revelatory. The more you think on it, the more it reveals. What does the first sign at the wedding in Cana reveal? When the bride and groom ran out of wine and Jesus turned water into wine for them. The more we consider, the more we'll see. Jesus has come to remove the shame of his people and to restore their joy. His miracle at the wedding reminds us of how this whole world ends in a wedding between God and man, between Christ and his church and the start of a truly blissful family that will span unto the ages of ages. When our Lord's hour comes, he no longer changes water to wine, but wine to blood. That in eating bread that is his body and drinking wine that is his blood, we would find the forgiveness of all our sins. And more than this, become one flesh with him, with his life as our life. All right, so what then does this second sign, the sign of our Lord healing the official son, indicate? He says to the man, go, your son will live. And at his word, the boy is healed. At the word of Jesus, We too are healed, our sins forgiven, our hearts made clean. And at the word of Jesus, we shall be healed. On the last day, he will speak, and we will rise in our bodies, free from all corruption, from all disease. And in our flesh, we shall see God. In the restoration of son to father, We glimpse the baptismal reality that Jesus has brought us from death to life, from illness to the health of repentant hearts. And he has returned us not only to life, but to our heavenly Father's arms. Much more could be said, of course, but these signs are written 
that the miracle at the wedding, the healing of the official son, might cause you to believe, and by believing, have life in his name. Indeed, that's precisely what happened to the official of Herod's court and to his whole family. John tells us that the end result is that they all believed. Where is that family today? Very much alive, together in paradise with our Lord in life eternal. And is that not the goal that we all share? I've titled this homily, Signs of Life. If I take a bit of semantic, liberty, poetic license, you'll no doubt forgive me. You'll no doubt understand what I mean when I say that all around us there are signs of death. In the news, our politics, religion, family, work, your own health, there are signs of death in all things, past and present. But what was it that led that father to our Lord? It wasn't good times. It wasn't a superabundance of spiritual health. It wasn't a flush bank account. It wasn't the fact that everything was going perfectly well. In fact, quite the contrary. What led that father to Jesus is what leads all of us to Jesus. God is at work in your life precisely through the signs of death that you see, so that through these you also might be drawn to our Lord. That the very real threat of death in all of its forms might lead us to the one whose death has destroyed death. And that is why the crucifix is front and center. It is his death that has destroyed death. Let your own sins, grievous though they be, and let the sins that others have committed against you, as hurtful as they may be, lead you to the one who is crucified for all sins to the one who forgives all sins. Let life's uncertainties lead you to the one who is life, to the only one who is certain. Let your own unfaithfulness and the unfaithfulness of others around you lead you to the one who is faithful. Let all the lies of this world lead you to the one who is the truth. Let tyranny and abuse of power lead you to the one who is the true and gracious king. Let loss of career or change in employment lead you to your true employer and master who even now calls you into holy vocations and offices, who even now opens his hand and satisfies your needs. Let failing health lead us to the one who is true health. Let weariness 
Lead us to the one who gives true rest. Let fear lead us to the one who casts out all fear and does so by the power of his crucified love. Will he who so loved you that he laid down his life for you not also work all things for your good? Counterintuitively, it is the bad things, the sorrowful episodes, the signs of death that lead us to our Lord. And it is our Lord who sets before us different signs, wine at a wedding and life for a son, signs of life that we too might believe and have life in his name. Today, a chalice filled with the wine of God's forgiveness and a foretaste of heavenly joy. A baptismal font filled with water that has washed you of all your sins and restored you to our Heavenly Father once and for all. As you saw, we began our service with the procession of the crucifix and will end our service in the exact same way. Why? All eyes on Jesus. That's why you're here. The signs of death have brought you to him. And now he sets before you the signs of life, that you might believe that he is the Christ and have life, not as this world gives, but true life in his name. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.